Hello, listeners. We are back for episode five, Antics Around the NBA. Today, we're going to be talking a lot of NBA hoops with some MLB buzz. I'm Joe. This is Chase. Let's get right into it. So now we got Trey Young and some certain buzz around him. Not being a locker room guy, not getting along with his head coach, not seeing eye to eye and clearly not agreeing with the way he plays them and how the offense is run. Do you think that Trey Young is the problem like Kyrie Irving was to the Celtics and now the Nets? Yeah, you know, I was shocked when I saw that headline. Um, And what he's done for Atlanta the past couple years, it took him to the Eastern Conference Finals, of course, with that infamous Sixers meltdown. But uh, Trey Young, he's, I mean, I would have thought that he's the franchise. He's definitely the cornerstone. He's young. He's kind of a stud. I mean, he's pretty much on his career averaged over 25 and 10. So I'm shocked by this. If he really is that much of a problem, though, not getting along with his teammates and the coach, then they do have the option to, like you mentioned to me before this show, to build around DeJounte Murray because he's a gamer too. But yeah, trade and Trey Young would be detrimental to the team. I mean, but they would, you got to think they would get back a bag in yeah. return for him, right? No, yeah, easily. Like, the thing about, like, I like DeJounte because he's an all around guy. Like, you look at him, like, he's going to give you your 28 and 8 and still get two steals on the other end. Yep. He averages two steals, and I think that's important for defense. Trey Young cannot defend for his life. Like, no. I like, think he's a liability like, on defense. He's like one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Yeah, you can score 30, but when it comes down to NBA playoffs, it's a team who has the better defense usually wins the games like against like the Warriors and Celtics Celtics have a better defense but the Warriors offense was just way out of the league and you can't compete with a playoff curry a playoff clay and just the experience of those guys yeah and building on that it does kind of feel to me like Miami last year in the first round of the playoffs they kind of exposed Trey Young a little bit right when he'd cross half court they would just hit him with bodies. They would just roll over every screen. And his efficiency was absolutely, it was just in the trash. And he looked terrible. Miami like beat them handily. And this year, Trey Young's numbers are down a little bit compared to last year, which, I mean, is never good to see a recession in a young player. But, yeah, I mean, I was shocked by this news for sure. Yeah, I mean, he was averaging at least 30 points per game last year. And uh, it was like 29.8. It was just about 30. Now he's at around 27. So he's gone down. And you think, well, DeJounte Murray's there, so he's getting some of the play. But is it an issue with Trey because he's not scoring as much? And is that why there's locker room issues? And that I think this, this you know trade deadline, we could see something big. And we might see something bigger with the Bulls. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just switch on right there. I mean, the Bulls are dealing with a similar situation. It came out today, too, that Zach Levine is uh, not really happy. He's been butting heads with some teammates. And I also read DeMar DeRozan might also want out as well. So, some questions there in the Bulls locker room. I I had no idea DeRozan wanted out. And for this Bulls team, they're not a championship team. They tried to build one. They tried to build a playoff deep team. Vucevic is not the guy you're looking for. De- DeMar's, DeMar's a great player, but he needs at least two other guys who can score. Uh, you can't have Levine, who's just you know running out there acting like he's a top player, when he's not right now. He's not playing like it. And then you have Alex Caruso. They overpaid for him big. 
I think that was one of the worst deals. I think they only paid for him because of his clownness off the court. Like, there, he was such a big name that they were like, oh, we might get revenue because we have Alex Caruso, the headband. Yeah, and then it really it feels like they kind of missed on two high draft picks. They missed on uh, Patrick Williams. Is, yeah, yeah, Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams and then also uh, Kobe White out of UNC. It's looking like both of them are busts. They don't start for the Bulls. And Patrick Williams had a lot of potential, but then he got hurt, and Kobe White just hasn't been able to put it together in the NBA. No, I do got to say, I do like Kobe White off the bench. But he, for where they drafted for him? For where they drafted him, it's a bad move. But when you think about the NBA, a lot of people after the fifth, I don't, know, I don't remember exactly where he was drafted, but the NBA is hard to just draft someone and get them to be starting. Like it's it's really rare. Your top three guys are, you know, should be the best guys. As a first round pick in the and being the seventh pick, you expect more from for just being a bench player. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But yeah, so with that being said, uh how about the Knicks, Chase? They they heated up over the past two weeks. I think they won they broke off six or seven in a row. And uh, that streak has ended, and they actually face off with the Bulls tomorrow, tomorrow night. But yeah, the Knicks. Uh, what do you? How do you feel about that and their losing streak? Yeah, Spicy P with a quick fifty. Yeah, I can't stand Spicy P. I think that's the worst nickname. First of all, I don't even know how I even said that, but I can't stand him as a player. For one, he's just dirty. Two, he's egregious, and three, he's just. Uh, Slightly overrated, he's you think? Very, I don't think he's slightly. I think he's overrated, not yeah. just slightly. I, I I mean, everyone talks about how he's an all-star. I mean, how are you an all-star with 19 points per game? He's. Um, I will say he probably will be an all-star this year again, too. Uh, well, at the same time, what power forwards in the East? Yeah. you got. I mean, you have Giannis and maybe Paolo Bancaro. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't name any other good Durant. Power. You got Durant. Durant. Durant could be labeled as a small yeah. forward. That's the only. Uh, that's my only argument is that he could be labeled as a small forward, not a power forward. But the Knicks streak ends. I think it was more of a fluke. I don't think the Knicks are. I think they make the playoffs, but again, they'll be a first round exit. Yeah, they might if be they like, if they make it through the play in. Yeah, I don't see them being a top six seed. Not as is right now. Oh yeah. I mean. Because seven and eight, and, seven and, eight and then play. nine and ten play. So, yeah, right now, like when I look at these standings, you got Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, the Nets, the Sixers, and then it's going to come down to the Knicks, Heat, Pacers, Hawks, and Raptors, most likely. I don't see the Knicks taking that six seed. I think the Pacers are a sleeper in that department. I'm going to get in a little bit more about them later and what they've been able to do this season, but. I There's think Miami's the sixth seed. You think? Yeah, I think Miami pulls it out. I think they figure it out. But I think like the top five, like is, Bucks, is pretty much locked. Bucks, up. Celtics, Cavs, Nets, and Sixers. Like that's that's a lock. That's gonna be your top five seeds in the East. Yeah, I, I don't see that changing. But the play-in's weird because with one game, you don't know who wins. Like Toronto against a worse team in like the Hawks or even like the Pacers can beat them in a series of three or five but when it comes down to like a one game it's a toss-up like you don't know like i i wouldn't know who to take in that 
Yeah, I mean, it could go either way. It really could. And now uh, getting into another team that's cooling off, the Boston Celtics. We were talking about them in our last NBA episode and how maybe we jinxed them a little bit because they've now lost three in a row. They were getting booed at their own home court last night. Jason Tatum dropped 41. He got his, but the rest of the team just has not been showing up at all. Jalen Brown has gone ice cold. He only dropped 19 last night. And the points just really are not coming from a lot of other places. Malcolm Brogdon's been playing okay, but other than Jason Tatum, this Boston Celtics team has gone flat out of nowhere, Chase. Do you think that this is going to be the new reality for Celtics and the Celtics fans, or do you think they're going to turn it around and this three-game losing streak is not something to really buy into too much? Well, one thing I do have to say, the Celtics got off to a great start. I think that happens to a lot of teams. We see some teams, like in the beginning of the season, take off. And they were the only team to take off. We look at all the other teams. They were 500 or below 500 who were good teams. You look at Bucks. They weren't getting out uh, with a big win column. Even Sixers were off to a terrible start. Nets were off to an awful start. Mm-hmm. Lakers were off to an awful start. They got back a little. The Jazz started winning games, but now they're bottom, almost bottom of the West. So I do think it just depends on where the team's at, how hard the team plays. And there's like this thing said where if the team that plays the hardest can win in the regular season, but when it comes down to playoff basketball, it doesn't matter what team plays harder. It's the team who's better. Yeah. Yep. Talent wins in the playoffs. That's a fact of the league. So I think right now they were just playing hard. Like they do have talent in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But other teams have better, might have better chemistry and um, talent going forward. Yep. Yeah, and it should be in the defense of the Celtics. They have been without their point guard Marcus Smart, who really is kind of the the team leader. Obviously, Tatum's the best player by far, but Marcus Smart kind of is that captain on that Celtics team. Yeah, especially on the defensive end too. So maybe that's why teams are scoring more. Like the Pacers putting up one seventeen. That's not really a Celtic like basketball. Mm-hmm. In my in my eyes, I don't see them allowing one seventeen to a Pacers offense. So maybe the defense isn't as crisp uh, without Marcus Smart. Yeah. So now looking on the other ends of things, the Nets have been white hot. They've won nine out of their last ten, and currently they're on a seven game win streak. Yesterday they put up ninety one points in the first half without Kyrie Irving. So things have just been firing on all cylinders for the Brooklyn Nets, Chase. How do you feel about their uh, win streak? So I'm I'm sitting down, and I get a notification on Bleacher Report that says the Warriors are down, and the Nets put up 91 points. And I'm like, how, how are the Nets even putting up 91? I was like, I'm not impressed by the Nets, even without Kyrie. Like, I know the Warriors aren't that good right now, but how are you allowing 91 points? To me... That says more about the Warriors than the Nets. That really tells me the Warriors are just not competing at all. But then I look at the Nets and I see Kevin Durant in his past 10 games has been averaging 30 points per game, over 67% from the field. And I think that is very impressive, and he's a dark horse in the MVP race. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Nets are just freakishly hot right now. Like, for example... You got a guy in Edmund Summer who dropped 16 points last night and only missed three shots. TJ Warren went crazy. You know, a lot of these guys, like, 
Patty Mills didn't miss a shot the whole game. So you look at it and it's like, how sustainable is that? Yeah, are you really going to tell me that Patty Mills, who's over the age of 30, is not going to miss a shot? Like, I can't even say that with a straight face, Chase. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah, he was a good role player on the Spurs, but now he's older. Like, yeah. he's, n- he's not the same player. Joe Harris only missed one shot the entire game. Like, oh, stop. I do, Joe Harris. I do think that the Nets, they're a scary team just because of the talent on paper with Durant and Irving, but they don't really play much defense, and I do see them being a little bit fraudulent, especially this win streak and run that they're on right now. Yeah, I just want to point out, you only uh, named Durant and uh, Irving. Yet, not, not even naming their other... Uh, supposedly all-star who's getting paid almost $40 million this year. He is no all-star, Ben Simmons. That There's two guys on that team that are all-stars, and everyone else is just kind of a role player. Ben Simmons is not an all-star. I don't, th- I don't even think he's dropped over 20 points. I He might have Has he might once. Have he maybe dropped like 21. Wow. But no, there's just there's really no improvement. Last night... This is one thing that you can always count on. Ben Simmons was uh, <laughs> 0 for 2 from the line. So. Oh, Hackett Ben is in full effect still. You know, you would think maybe having like a year off of basketball, he would at least work on some free throws, but I guess he just took his time and efforts uh, to play some Call of Duty like he usually does. Ben Simmons is disrespectful to the game of basketball. And he that's, was, yeah. He just doesn't put work in at all. He doesn't care. Basketball is not his number one priority. He's the prince. He's the prince. He's the next LeBron. Stephen A. Smith, I literally heard that man call him baby LeBron and the prince. He's a jump shot away. He's a jump shot away. Yeah, how'd that one turn out? Oh, and how about the the Brooklyn Nets fleece the 76ers for the James Harden trade? Yeah, I'll take James Harden and his uh, 20 and 10 every night. Thank you very much. Yeah, a guy that actually wants to play basketball. Who can play 37 minutes a game, too, and not get injured with his back every three seconds. So now uh, talking about our Sixers, they've uh, they've definitely been playing better, and Joel Embiid is on a tear. He's averaging 32.5 points per game. He's been looking great as ever. You know, he came into the season a little little out of shape, which was frustrating to see, but he, he claimed he was injured. Um, but now he seems to be in full form, full effect. So it's been great to see. The Sixers have a big matchup with the Clippers tomorrow night. Both Kawhi and Paul George will be playing. So, yeah. Chase, how do you feel about Embiid and the Sixers lately? Yeah, I think I love Embiid. Uh, I can't take anything away from him right now. He's leading the league and scoring as a center again. So I hope he wins MVP, and I hope the league finally trusts the process that process that has been in Philadelphia for more than six years. I don't think you can not win the MVP if you lead the league in scoring back-to-back years as a center because that hasn't been done before for a long time. So hopefully he does. And I do think the Sixers pull this out. I think they continue their win streak on their homestand. Kawhi Leonard is not looking like the Kawhi Leonard we all know. And... um. We are on a six-game win streak, which also helps us on our home stand. And I think the Sixers just play better at home. So, with a eighteen and a thirteen and five record at home, 
So I, I, I do like the Sixers in this matchup. Yeah, I like the Sixers tomorrow night, Chase. But thinking long term, it's just so difficult for me to get excited and hyped up about the Sixers when they haven't even made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with all these great teams and having one of the best players in the league. So it's just, it's tough to get my hopes up because I do fear another letdown. But, you know, it's fun right now. Six games in a row, that's no joke. And uh, they definitely have turned the page this season. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully they can really find the rhythm, especially with Maxi coming back uh, from injury in about a week or two. Yeah, hopefully. Any day now, they're saying so. Yeah. So hopefully he's healthy, ready to go. And this team starts building their chemistry. Like they said, um, recently in an interview with DeAnthony Mellon, he said they finally are starting to play together. Like they're not kind of playing selfish togetherness. They're actually like playing as a team, like knowing when to give the ball to what person, knowing when that person needs to take over the game. I think that's huge. And I think if they can really put it all together, they can be a championship squad. I mean, they have the players. They just have to play like they're a championship team. So now moving in to the Charlotte Hornets, who head coach Steve Clifford looked like he was just downright miserable with the team with the amount of injuries they have had to their young core, especially LaMelo Ball. But since LaMelo Ball has been back from injury, he has five straight 23-plus point games, and it looks like this Charlotte Hornets team is not going to be last in the Eastern Conference anymore. Maybe they'll be 12th or 10th, but at least they won't be last. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it. Maybe being last wouldn't be the worst thing for them. Uh, having the first overall pick, obviously, you know who they'd take with that. Who's your boy from Duke? Well, not from Duke. Not from Duke? The Fra- or UNC? The French, uh, the French sensation. Oh, the French sensation? That's true. Him. Yeah. Victor Juan Nalabe. Yeah. Whatever whatever is yeah, he would he would be a good piece to build around, but it's a shame when other teams have uh higher lottery pick percentages over the Hornets. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Hornets. Last year they showed some promise and then obviously Miles Bridges is no longer with them. He was probably their second best player and uh he got arrested, so <laughs> <laughs> they still have a nice young piece in P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier can play, and then they got um, Caleb Martin. Not horrible. Kelly Oubre can ball. Yeah, so, you know, they have a lot of players that I like. It's just they have not been able to put it together. And uh, Michael Jordan, their owner, he has been uh, expressing some frustration. I think he's growing a little bit impatient. I don't think, like, they're a bad team. Like, when you look at on paper, you're like, LaMelo Ball, all-star. Kelly Oubre can get you 18 pj washington can get you 12 mason Plumley, he's ter- he's not a good center but you can't really get good centers in the league today there's only a few top centers he holds his own i mean i don't know what else you can ask for i mean scary terry gets you know quick t- a silent 20 almost every night and no one talks about it so i mean they're not a terrible team i just don't think their bench is there and i don't think they can even play defense to the point to make them competitive. Yeah, they're uh, they're kind of a tire fire right now. Oh, you can't forget about Gordon Hayward. He's just old, but yeah, you know. 
Yeah. He used to get his own. His best days are for sure behind him, and he kind of was plagued with injuries, especially that nasty one in his first day as a Celtic yeah. a couple years back. So, um, yeah, to wrap up our NBA talk for tonight, how about a lock of the week? Um, so this game is taking place tomorrow, and right now the Pacers are plus 6.5 points to the Miami Heat, and my lock of the week is to alternate spread bet them plus 10. The Pacers don't get blown out. Um, they play extremely tough basketball, and they bring 110% energy every night. And in the regular season, like Chase was kind of touching on earlier, that'll win you a lot of games and at least prevent you from getting blown out. So on the season, they've, they're they 16-6, and six, and in only three games have they lost by 10 or more points. So Pacers, alternate spread, you'll still get some good odds because the Heat are favored by 6.5, as is. And, um, yeah, the Pacers are not getting blown out tomorrow. I can't promise a win, but alternate spread, plus 10. Cash that. Yeah, I, I love the pick, especially with them only losing three games by 10 or more, and it was during a certain stretch with some players out or injured. So I do think um, it will be good. And with the questionable Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Gabe Vincent, and Caleb Martin, I do think uh, the Pacers are not going to lose by 10. Now moving in to the MLB offseason, some more exciting moves. And a, I think a surprising move that no one really saw coming is Rodon to the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Yankees got the money, but I really didn't see it happening. I was hearing with all the MLB rumors, I was hearing it was going to be the Rangers or Phillies. So I was pretty shocked by that one. That's definitely going to leave the... Um, the San Francisco Giants kind of depleted in their bullpen and their, um, you know, just their overall rotation. Because, I mean, you lose a, a former Cy Young starter, that's definitely taking a hit on you. The Yankees, this helps them out a lot. Garrett Cole kind of been underperforming. They got Nestor Cortez, but they definitely were missing that that third stud. So Rodon's going to be a game changer for the Yanks. Chase, how do you feel about it? Yeah, and I think this Rodon move finally puts the Yankees on almost an even playing field with the Astros. I think they actually give the Astros a run for their money. The Astros own the Yankees, but you know who owns the Astros? Carlos Rodon. He's, his stats against the Astros are insane. He's had, un, he's had about a 1.3 ERA against the Astros during his career in the when he was with the White Sox. And I think that's huge, especially when you know they're going to face them in the playoffs next year. Almost inevitably, yeah. It's, almost, it's pretty much going to happen in the ALCS or the ALDS. No matter which matchup it is, we're going to see them face each other. And I think this move kind of puts them where they can win one or two games early instead of being down two games early. Yeah, you know, playing the Astros is always tough just because, you know, they cheat. They always have something up their sleeve. So it's never easy to beat them. And, of course, they are a good baseball team. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that definitely does give the Yankees some life. I actually didn't know that uh, Rodon had those kind of numbers versus the Astros on his career. That's kind of a uh, – they, the Yankees are playing chess out here, not checkers, because that definitely gives them a little psychological edge too. Yeah, it definitely does. So – Hopefully, we'd like to see the Yankees knock off the World Series champs because clearly no one can stand 
the Astros and hopefully they knock them out to make a uh, World Series push for um, the Phillies a lot easier. 100%, 100%. So now um, shifting gears to another team that plays in New York, the Mets. They lost one of their starting pitchers, Chris Bassett, to the Jays. That's definitely going to help the uh, the Jays rotation out. And then they brought in Carlos Correa. They brought him in for a 12-year deal. And he actually failed his physical, um, but somehow was able to sign with the Nets, the Mets. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I everyone was wondering like what happened with Correa? What ha- like how did he fail his physical? And the owner of the Giants stated that they didn't like one thing that was on his physical. So they were like, We're not gonna accept this and Correa was like, Okay, I'm out and then immediately, like three hours later, at midnight, Eastern Standard Time. Buck just hands out another bag. <laughs> yep, he hands out another $315 million. So the one thing I am going to take away from this is that there needs to be some sort of cap. Oh, baseball. 100%. It's, it's actually getting ridiculous. The Mets payroll's at half a billion dollars now at $500 million, and, and it's honestly going to kill the sport of baseball. You know they spent eight hundred million this off season. That's that's egregious. Almost a billion dollars in one off season. Like I don't understand how that's fair to other market teams. Like I'm not. It doesn't have to be fair. I'm not saying like each team has to have this amount because of this and that. Like life's not fair. Pro sports is not fair. I understand that, but there has to be a limit where things can't get out of control. Where you can sign five all stars to three hundred fifty million dollar deals. I, I don't think it's right for the sport. I don't think it's right for the game. How it's played, how other teams play, I just don't love the moves. Yeah, you know, we're gonna get to a point in baseball where it's gonna be like college football. Like it's gonna be the same eight teams and pretty much no one else even has a fair chance to compete. And it's it's getting ridiculous, and unfortunately, in my opinion, I don't see things changing because in order for that to happen, the players' association would have to vote in favor of a salary cap. And why would they do that when right now they can get these ridiculous guaranteed contracts? So it's hard for me to picture a world where we do see a change, but I think that it's unfortunate for baseball because it upsets, I mean... How can, imagine you're an Orioles fan. How, how are you even going to be inclined to watch anymore when your team's payroll's at not even $45 million and the Mets are over here at $500 million? Like, you're not, you're not comparing apples to apples here. It's just, it's not fair at all. It's really not. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, well, for an example, the Phillies signed Trey Turner for $300 mil, and that's the highest they were able to give him. They, they couldn't go over that. They went over the luxury tax last year, but the Padres offer him $50 million more. And the Padres are a smaller market team. They're not a big market. Like, Philadelphia is a big market now. They've really established themselves as a big market with Bryce Harper, JT Riamuto, Zach Wheeler. And, of course, it's a historic franchise. They have 1.7 million people that live in the city. And it's a big East Coast city. You know, it's like New York, Boston, Philadelphia. It's a yeah. big market. And you And you... Get the tri-state area, so you get a couple other teams. But it doesn't make sense how some teams can offer more with smaller markets, but the owners are just willing to spend more 
because they don't care about the luxury tax because the luxury tax, the owners only have to pay $80 million, no matter how far they go over. So like the Mets this year, gone over almost over, I think close to $100 million. The owner only has to pay $80 million and just say, all right, I'm done. And we say no more. We say only eighty million, and it sounds crazy. But to their owner, he's a multi-billionaire. That's chump change to him. Like it really does not matter. It's pretty much like eight hundred dollars to him. Yeah, he's not losing an ounce of sleep over that money. Like it, it means nothing to him. Yeah, because he knows he's gonna make it all back in in like probably halfway through the season, not even. Especially with jersey sales, tickets, food, you name it. Yep. Now moving in. To the NL East, one of the best, I think the best division in baseball coming up. You know, Chase, I'm going to stop you right there. You could make an argument that the Eagles, Sixers, and Phillies all play in the best divisions in their sports leagues. Oh, easily. I mean, people were saying the NFC least. It's the NFC beast. It clearly is. They have the best record in every division in the NFL. And people were saying how bad, oh, the Giants are, how bad the Commanders are, how bad the Cowboys, well, they might not talk about how bad the Cowboys are, but some people might. But they're winning games, and they're still winning competitive games against competitive teams, so you can't really say that they're the NFC least. Anyway, building off of that, the Braves have yet to sign anyone, but let Dansby Swanson go to the Cubs and trade Wilson Contreras but they got Sean Murphy from the Oakland Athletics, who's not really an all-star type guy, but he's, a, he's decent. I mean, I wouldn't have traded for him. You have a young guy in Contreras who's just made an all-star team. Who had who, great chemistry with the team, too. Yeah, who you're going to trade away for an older catcher. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a championship move. I think they won their World Series. I think they're just trying to just figure out ways where maybe they can compete. If not, I think they rebuild. Just around Acuna, Michael Harris, and Austin Riley. Yeah, you really got to wonder what the Braves are doing. It's been a theme this offseason now with baseball getting rid of the shift that teams are kind of stocking up on shortstops. And the Braves just let an all-star shortstop walk. So there's really no debate. The Atlanta Braves have so far gotten worse this offseason. And we'll have to keep an eye on them. Let's see if they make a splash. But... A lot of the top free agents have uh, have definitely signed so far. So, yeah, and now they have Vaughn Grissom, who's gonna come up and handle the shortstop. Uh, being a top one hundred prospect, like you may have high hope, but at the same time, you do have to see what he does at shortstop. So we'll see. You know, not every top one hundred prospect player is major league ready or is set to be good in the majors. So we'll see there. Yeah, it, it feels like they're like copying the uh, the Astros a little bit here. The Astros let Carlos Correa walk. Everybody was like, whoa, what are you doing? Jeremy Pena came up. Obviously, it worked out for him. I don't know if the same can be said with Don Grissom. I don't, th- I don't see him personally as a, the same caliber of a prospect as a Jeremy Pena, but we'll see. Yeah, and along with the Cubs signing Dansby Swanson, they get... Cody Bellinger to a one-year $20 million deal. Do you think he gets back to this MVP belly that we saw three years ago and who the Cubs hope to see? Honestly, Chase, I'm not sure. I think a change of scenery definitely is going to help him. 
but um, mechanically, he's just been off these last couple years. It's honestly, it's it's very strange. You know, you look at him, and then you look at um, on the Brewers. I'm blanking on his name. Yelich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you look at him and Yelich, and they both had these back-to-back MVP years. Not not that they both like won two, but back-to-back of each other, and then they kind of fell off the face of the baseball map after that. So. Hopefully for Cody Bellinger, he can bounce back. Um, I definitely, I had an eye on him. I wouldn't have minded if the Phillies moved off Reese Hoskins and brought him in to play first base. So we'll see. I got an open mind, but um, I wouldn't be, I, I could see it going both ways here, Chase. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he can thrive as a center fielder or wherever they put him, maybe first base. So I would like to see Bellinger come back into his own. He has had flaws with his swings. He wasn't able to hit high fastballs at all. Like people would just blow a 93 mile per hour fastball at the top of the zone and he would get blown away just because of his swing mechanics. And the 2019 year, he was able to really just crush any pitch anywhere. So I think there's mechanically in his swing, he needs to fix something and just his mindset um, at the plate where he can just be like, I'm one of the best hitters in this league. Now I just have to hit this ball to show everyone in the crowd that. So I think he can get back into the swing of things. Yeah, and now you got to look at the Cubs as maybe a fringe all-star team. You know, Chase and I had the pleasure of uh, getting out to Wrigley Field last summer. That was a great time. And you look at this Cubs team, they've got some young talent. Uh, Chase, you think they have a chance to make the playoffs potentially? I think they're a dark horse to make a wild card spot. I don't think the Brewers are going to be even close to the division in NL Central. I don't think they're going to be in the wild card. The Cardinals have the NL Central kind of locked down again. But I do think the Cubs end up second in the NL Central and do compete for a wild card spot. But it would be tough because the Braves, Phillies, and Mets are also going to be competing for a wild card and a division spot. Yeah, you know, those 19 games where they're going to face the Cardinals are going to be huge. They're really going to tell the tale of their season. I do think with the NL East being so stacked, and they, I mean, the Phillies, Braves, and Mets pretty much, there's two wild card spots almost locked up. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see, but they they started playing better toward the end of last year, and now they brought in two uh, pretty big free agents. So it's going to be uh, something to keep your eye on. Yeah, well. And now Aaron, Aaron Judge is back with the Yanks on a nine-year uh, deal. Is that the answer to the Yankees along with Rodon? I mean, Aaron Judge is a remarkable player. Um, I think his health is going to be the biggest question mark for these nine years. We've really only got to see. I, I call Aaron Judge the Joel Embiid of baseball. I think he's one of the best talents in the game, and when he's healthy— one of the best players, if not the best. It's just, and last year, fortunately for him, he was healthy all year. Unfortunately, went ice cold in the playoffs. But it just seems that every year when the Yankees need him the most, he's unavailable or he's slumping. So we'll see if Aaron Judge can put it together. I don't know that I would say that I see him in these next nine years winning a championship with the Yankees. But we'll see. I mean, Bringing him back was a no-brainer at for any price. You just you can't let that type of talent walk out of your walk out of your building. So I think the Yankees made the right move. Will he win a championship there though? I have my doubts. Yeah, 
in my opinion, I think this was the wrong move by Brian Cash. It wasn't Brian Cashman. It's actually the president of baseball operations. Um, I think this was a bad move. Judge is about to turn 30. You may have four more years of prime judge left, and then he's gone. So you're essentially paying him $360 million to play four good years of baseball. I think it's way overpriced. I think his injuries are a problem. I think him posting 62 home runs is not going to happen again. I mean, I think this is the best season of his career he's going to have. You're essentially paying him more money because of the season he advertised to you. And I don't think it was a good move by the Yankees. I think they overpaid. I think they could have upgraded in different positions with less money. I think bringing back Benintendi was a better move because they're going to have to get rid of Aaron Hicks. And I like the Benintendi-Harrison-Bader combo there because they're both young, both good defenders. All they need to do is put the bats together a little more, and they could be all-star type caliber players. So I think this was a bad move by the Yankees. But... I think the window to win is in four years, and if not, they need to shut it down, rebuild right away. 100%. I like that take. I do, but time will tell the story like it always does. We will see. And now to uh, to wrap things up, our Philadelphia Phillies are uh, heavily involved in some Raphael Devers trade rumors. Boston's kind of cleaning house a little bit. They let go of uh, Martinez, Xander Bogert. And uh, Christian Velasquez, so pretty much all their best players they've let go this season, and you got to think Rafael Devers could be next, right, Chase? Yeah, you do. They let rid of Alexander Bogarts. Mookie Betts, gone. I mean, you wonder what this manager's doing in the office right now. You wonder what this GM is thinking, what the president of baseball of operations is doing. Like, how are you letting these people walk? Schwarb, Kyle Schwarber, let him walk too. Let Schwarber walk. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you want to, they're a big market team. You expected them to spend the big money because they have the money. You're not going to let Alexander Bogarts leave for more money at the San Diego Padres when you have more money. The only reasoning behind that is maybe you're going to sign Devers to a $500 million deal. Maybe. But I doubt it because he's not worth 500 mil. And the Red Sox and Devers' side have not seen eye-to-eye in contract negotiations. But the good thing about the Phillies is that Dave Dombrowski was the one who brought Devers into the league, was the one who to see him through, was the one to see him play his rookie year and second year. Then he came to the Phillies. He has relationships with Devers. And, you know, I think Dombrowski gets a deal done like he always has. He got the deal done with Harper, Real Muto, uh, who else? Schwarber, Castellanos, now Turner. I mean, Zach Wheeler. Dombrowski is a winner. I think when it comes to the trade deadline, he'll give up some key pieces, maybe a Mick Abel, another prospect, and maybe a guy on the roster now. Whether it could it could be Alec Bohm, it could be Reese Hoskins. I mean, it, you would hate to see either of them go, but for an all-star caliber player in Rafael Devers, I mean, I don't think you could pass it up. Yeah, you know, Chase, for me, I personally, I can't stand Reese Hoskins. He's my least favorite player on the current lineup. And Alec Bohm, 
I, I'm a big fan, and he's a young talent. But Raph Devers is younger than Alec Bohm. Devers is sitting here at 24 years old, pretty much an undebatably a top five third baseman in all of baseball. And if you bring that in, you're getting, he's batting 300, could give you 40 home runs, and he's a winner. He's clutch. You saw two years ago when Boston went to the ALCS, Devers was just coming up big in every moment. Seventh, eighth, ninth inning, big hits, doubles, home runs. Devers is that guy. And I think that if the Phillies bring him in, watch out. Yeah, and if it if a deal does happen, I do see the Phillies winning back-to-back World Series and becoming a dynasty. Re- really, and I and I really think they do. You st- Harper is still going to be a great hitter, and especially with the thing about a DH. You can have him there. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Devers. You're going to have a young Devers. You're going to have a young Stott. You're going to have Turner. You're going to have St- Romuto. You're going to have Brandon Marsh, who's kind of going to come into his own. I think he's a great defender. Yep. You get him with Kevin Long, he's going to really fix his, fix his swing and a really full come off in. season with Kevin Long. I think that's a dangerous for any like young player who yeah. can just get knowledge. Brandon Marsh was the second highest prospect ever in the Angels franchise history, only second to Mike Trout. So he's got talent coming out of his ears. The Phillies, the Phillies are going to be fun, Chase. We are in for a good couple years coming up. Yeah, and I, you know who I'm excited about next year? I think you're. I know. Re- Let me guess. Your boy Andrew Painter. No, not Andrew Painter. I love Painter. I was I was actually talking to him, to my dad uh, tonight because he was just wondering about like our pitching staff. I was just like, just wait till the boy Andrew Painter comes up and throws 99 down. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Correa's throat, just to call the cheater. Um, but I am excited about Nick Castellanos, and you. We've had our ups and downs of them in the playoffs, but I do think. Before his wrist injury, he was a great hitter, and I think his wrist injury really uh, kind of switched things up on him, made him think differently about his swing. Maybe he didn't want to re-injure it. Stuff happens to guys. They don't want to miss time, especially when Harper was out. You don't want to miss that time because who's going to play right field? Mm-hmm. So I do think Castellanos comes back, becomes a silver slugger again. He's going to get back into his roots from Cincinnati he just needed a little welcome year in Philadelphia. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited as a Phillies fan as well. Well, that concludes Episode 5, Antics Around the NBA and the MLB offseason so far. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday. And this is Small Town Big Takes. Fire.